0: So we're going to be reading in Matthew. And the Gospels are basically four different accounts of God's disciples, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they typically tell similar events just from their perspective. Tonight we're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 15 verses 21 through 28. It says, leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. This woman understood something. And my prayer tonight is that by the time I'm through with this message, we too will understand the power of proximity. God, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your unfailing faithfulness, God. God, if you're anything, you're a faithful Lord. If you're anything, you are consistent. God, we don't want to leave here the same, God, we expect to leave here with a new thought, a new perspective, God, a new posture, Lord. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Anyone taking notes? Paper notes, anyone? Anyone got a, a notebook? One person. Amen. 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 So who was this woman? What do we know about her? We know she was from Canaan. She was a Greek. She was a Gentile. And Gentile in the Gospels basically means someone who's a non-Jew. And if you were a non-Jew, you were considered unclean. You were considered sinful, impure. You explored Greek and Roman mythology, politics, etc. There may be someone in here who also feels impure, unclean, unworthy of the presence of God. But let this story be a testament to you that after tonight, you too will have the decision to go to the face of your creator, humble yourself, ask for forgiveness, and your life will be changed forever. So this woman was a Canaanite. She was a, Jew, she was a Gentile. And it was very bold of her to go to the presence of not only of, of men, but of Jewish men, let alone the Savior. Being a Gentile, you understand that you are lesser than. That was the culture. A Jew would not want to even associate with a Gentile in fear of them rubbing off on them or appearing dirty. And the fact that she came to him, as we see in verse 22, this may seem normal, this may seem like it's not a big deal, but I think that's huge because... In this day and age, Christians are entitled. And what I mean by that is, we love the parable of God leaving the 99 to chase after the 1. We love the story that uh, God will never leave us nor forsake us. And we we love to, to say God is omnipresent, right? That's romantic, God is omnipresent. But what if we allow the omnipresence of God to cripple us into not chasing after him because he's everywhere? What if we allow our entitlement, our, our notion that he'll, he'll chase after me, he'll leave the 99, what if we allow that to, to enable a lazy faith? We don't pursue him anymore because he pursues us. We, we've grown spoiled by the grace of God. But this woman, wasn't waiting to be found by God, she wasn't waiting to be pursued by God, she took it upon herself to go chase after him. Anyone who's been somewhere knows that you can be somewhere and not really be there. Seven in the morning, you're catching the bus to high school and you remember you didn't take out the meat from the freezer. So now first period goes by, second period, and you're there, but you're thinking about when you get home and that meat is not thought out. Um, even in church, there are times where you can, you know, be in the presence of God, you can sing the songs, you, you can clap your hands, but you're not there. So is it possible that you can be in the presence of God but not be present with God? So you can be in the room, but be so far away. A lot of us are the furthest away from people we live with. So proximity is more so an intangible rather than something you can grasp, something you can hold, a, a distance. It's more of a, a heart, a mindset, a mentality. So write this down. Don't mistake the presence for being present. Don't mistake the presence for being present. Many times in the Bible, Jesus steps right in the situation. Glory to God. And we read them. And this kind of, if our mindset is not correct, this is how our laziness gets enabled because we saw him go to the woman at the well. We saw him go to the lame man and ask, do you want to be made whole? We read about him going to Lazarus' grave and saying, Lazarus, come out. But this time, Jesus doesn't show any indication of a pursuit. He doesn't show any, any vibe that he's on a world tour of doing healings. You know, we find Jesus, he'll walk from this town to this town to this town performing miracles. But what's interesting about this story, about this woman's situation, is that God wasn't looking for her. Not because he didn't care, but God was human. God was tired. God needed rest. God needed downtime with his disciples. And then here comes this desperate woman, this unclean Gentile, begging for a miracle while he's just trying to relax. Someone say power of proximity. proximity. So what is proximity? Proximity is nearness in space time, or relationship. When we're cold, we get closer to the fireplace. When we're hot, we put our hands by the vents in the car so the air goes like that, or is that just me? (laughs) They don't work fast enough. When we're at a concert, we want to get as close to the front as we can. Why? Because we understand that there is a benefit of closeness. We have the mentality that when we're getting closer to the source, the resource we get will be greater. So if you could put this graphic up, this is what I imagine the Christian life to be. Now, I've never been to heaven, but I assume if they had a team, it would be the Lakers. (laughs) (laughs) So this is where we are. And let's say they have three main players, you know, God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And if you look. All the way up here, that's where a lot of Christians are. A lot of Christians have been comfortable in the nosebleeds of being a Christian. We don't have any, any desire to, to draw nearer, to get closer. And it's not that the nosebleeds is bad. But if you've known God for a period of time, you shouldn't still be there. So just keep this picture in mind. So the Gentile woman approaches Jesus, but notice she did not call him by name. If you look in verse 22, it says, A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him. Sometimes it's not enough to call Jesus by his name. And, and that may sound a little weird because there, there's power in the name of Jesus. There's no name like Jesus. We, under, we understand that. But sometimes you have to call God by his title. When you call by title, you remind yourself who he is and you affirm to him who he is. If I call my mom Cheryl, I might get hit. (laughs) But calling my mother Cheryl, that only identifies who she is. Now, if I call her mom, that identifies who she is to me. So when she said Lord, that was letting Jesus know who she thought he was. That was her being humble. That was her submitting herself to him. So when you're going through something, maybe you are in a rough patch and you don't have the right finances or, or, or you need a new job. Perhaps your prayer should be to Jehovah Jireh more so than Jesus. And you can say Jesus, but when you say Jehovah Jireh, that is specific. That gives God a, a, a location of exactly what you need. Maybe you need peace, Jehovah Shalom, maybe he's the prince of peace to you. That allows you to remind yourself who his word says he is. Amen? Now this might be my favorite, well, this is one of my favorite stories. But this part, this part is big, this part is crucial. So not only does she say Lord in verse 22, she says, son of David. Now, Son of David is only mentioned 12 times in the entire Bible, one of those times by an unclean Gentile woman. By calling him Son of David, that was letting Jesus know that she studied Scripture, she knows who he is, and believes who he is. Because by saying Son of David, as you may know, the lineage of Jesus comes, came through David. God promised David that Jesus would come through his genealogy. So when she says son of David, that's letting God know that she's not unfamiliar with who he is. So she may be considered or viewed as an unclean Gentile woman, but she's done her research and she believes that he is a prophecy fulfilled. Amen. Question, do you know who you're talking to when you pray? Are you talking to Jesus? Are you talking to Are you talking to who your friends talk to because they talk to them? Are you talking to Jesus because that's what your grandmother did or do you actually know who you're speaking with? For a lot of us <laughs> Jesus is that classmate at school that you only talk to when you need something. The whole semester you don't know their name until it's that group project until you really need the the, the study guide. So this unclean Gentile woman comes to Jesus saying her daughter's grievously vexed with the demon. She's desperate. She knows who she is. She knows what people think she knows what people think of her, even the disciples told Jesus to tell her to go away. She mustered up the courage to go to the face of Jesus, and Jesus did not answer a word. Now, I don't know about you, but there have been times where I felt like God is not talking. Um, It's not the most comfortable position to be in. Um, It's one thing to feel like he doesn't hear you. It's another to know that he hears you and you don't hear anything back. Silence can either spark you or stop you. And silence for me, it used to stop me a lot. Um, I would feel like I was praying in vain or like my prayer wasn't of value enough to reach the ear of God or to warrant a response. Silence will either steal your faith or stir your faith. So ask yourself, is, is, is it, does it steal my faith or does the silence of God stir things up in me to seek him even more? Write this down. Faith is more than believing in God when He speaks, but rather maintaining that belief in spite of His silence. It's easy to believe when you hear God. It's easy, it's easy. But when you've prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed some more, and all you did was worship and all you did was praise, and you don't hear Him, that could be a bit defeating. But God gave me an insight on his silence in this story. I believe the silence of Jesus in this moment was a struggle. I think it was a battle of his affection and his assignment. Because his assignment was only to the lost people of Israel. That's the assignment that God gave Jesus. But his affection, him being 100% human, as well as being 100% divine, his affection for that woman caused him not to speak. And sometimes we get angry and frustrated with God because he didn't say anything, but maybe his silence is his affection battling on our behalf. Maybe his silence is him debating on whether he should deter from his assignment because he loves us. And Jesus was going through a tug of war of Humanity and divinity in that moment, I believe. And that caused him to to hesitate in his response. So when Jesus said nothing, she stayed. When Jesus said something that she didn't want to hear, he said, I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. She stayed. But now something happened. She, She adjusted her posture. If you look in verse 25... It says, he replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. I'm sorry, if you could go to 25, please. Verse 25 says, she knelt. So the woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. Now, a lot of us, we would have left as soon as the silence happened. Maybe some of us would have left when he said something we didn't want to hear. See, we get mad at the silence, but then when God speaks, we get mad at that. So the woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. So what this woman did was change her posture. So she tried one thing. She stood. It didn't work. God gave an answer she didn't want to hear, and then she knelt. I don't know what kneeling is for you, but when I think kneeling, I think praying. Kneeling could be reading your word. Kneeling could be tithing. Kneeling can be anything that is a submission to God, allowing him to understand that you know who you are in him, and you know who he is outside of you. What I think tonight, Jobel's One Last Worship was so on point. I feel a lot of us are this close and we're just a posture change away from a breakthrough. All we have to do is change our position and again, remember, proximity is not so much, in this sense, distance, but it's a, a mindset. It's a spiritual thing. Somebody say, Check your, "Check your posture." So in verse 26, it says, "It is not right to take the children's, to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs." Now, if I didn't leave in the silence, I would have left now. <laughs> so what Jesus is saying. He's not literally calling her a dog, but what he's saying is, you are not of enough significance for me to do what you want me to do. Because Jesus was there on an assignment. He was sent for the lost sheep of Israel. Now, I don't know how thick your skin is, but I probably would have just packed my bags and just went on home um, before I said something to the Lord. I'll repent later. Um. (laughs) Verse 27, she says, yes, it is, Lord. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Someone say "Power power of perspective. The fact that she could take that with such grace and understand that she doesn't need the whole meal if she could just have the crumbs. That reminds me of the woman with the issue of blood who thought if she could just touch the hem of his garment, she would be made whole. The power of perspective. That's tough. Verse 28, then Jesus said, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at the moment. What does this tell me? This tells me that your mother doesn't have to come here to be healed. This tells me That fire doesn't have to come down from heaven. You don't have to see angels visibly in front of you. You could simply believe, and it will be so. There are times in the Bible where God lays hands. He grabs dirt, tells you to go on a pool, does all these things. Not because he has to. But that's what God wanted to do in that moment. But then there are other times where God simply says, you're healed. So I don't know about you, but I want the type of faith that God can be impressed by it. And I don't have to, how do I say it? I don't have to perform like a Christian for the Christ in me to to come out. I just want to be able to tell God, God, I need this, and it happened. But it's one thing to, to, to ask God and to, to submit your request to God. But if you submit your request and you don't hear anything from God, you walk away. Now what would have been granted to you, you don't get because your faith was lacking. Maybe if God gave you an answer you didn't want to hear, and you walk away. Now you don't get what you, not not you. Now your daughter doesn't get healed like this woman. Imagine if she would have walked away. Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at the moment. If you could put this graphic up. I wonder what you all see when you see this. What I see is a loss of faith. You may not know what this is, but this is a a football arena. And you see there's people sitting down. But if you draw your attention to the middle, these are people leaving. So I don't know if you've ever been to a sports game, but when your team is losing or when the team, when the score is for sure, people just want to get out of there. They just want to leave. They, they, their hope in their team has been lost. So for me, this looks like defeat. This looks like a lack of faith. This looks like 2020. This looks like a pandemic. This looks like a, a church post-pandemic. This looks like faith post-pandemic where people are just, they couldn't handle the silence. They couldn't handle the answer that they were getting. So they, they walked away a little too prematurely. Now you can be two types of people. Well, actually four, so you're either the person that just couldn't hold on or are you the person still in your seat but you haven't changed your posture or are you the person that sees the people who have lost their faith and you follow suit because it's comfortable, it's easy or are you the person who sees the people leaving? And now you get closer to the field. You draw nearer. Now me, I'm the type, as soon as the game starts, I'm saying, "Okay, if they leave, yeah, I'm going to sit right there. (laughs) As Soon as the game starts. And I will make my way to the front, snap a picture, and go back. No, just kidding. (laughs) course I. Well, no, this is, this is what that, that picture reminds me of. It reminds me of people who were on the brink of a breakthrough, but just gave in. And to relate to this, this text, it, it's not that the woman was on the brink of a breakthrough. It's, she was interceding for her daughter. So it's not that we owe it to ourselves to, to keep on, to, to keep believing, to stay in the face of God. We owe it to all of those connected to us. So when you see people walking out of the game early, what does that make you do? Does that make you draw nearer to the source or walk out because it's easier? It's easier to be pursued than to pursue. So what do you do when you have the God that that is the the ultimate pursuer? It puts you in a situation of how do I balance chasing after God or letting God be God and, and, and reach out after me? What I love about the Gospels is that It'll tell the same story, typically, but from different perspectives. And you don't want to just read one gospel because you may miss insight from another gospel. So if we can go to Mark 7, verse 24, it says, Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, yet he could not keep his presence a secret. So this is the same verse in Matthew. But in this verse, what's different is it says, he entered a house and did not, did not want anyone to know it, yet he could not keep his presence a secret. So a question I have for you is, are you okay with the presence of God in your life being a secret? Because you can have God in your life, you can have a relationship with God, but are you okay with people not knowing that you have a relationship with God. Because if that be the case, then your Christian life is more so for you than it is for everyone, than it is for the body. And when Jesus left, he said, go forth and make disciples. So yes, you can be saved. Yes, you can go to heaven by accepting Christ. But you want to chase after the heart of God. And the heart of God is for people. And if I go to heaven, I want to see my friends. I want to see my family. So are you okay with the presence of God being kept secret in your life? Now, for some of you, you may have felt like, you may feel like this woman in this passage. You may feel unclean. You may feel unworthy. You may not even believe in Jesus, you may be exploring other religions, mythology, whatever. But if this woman had the courage to walk straight up to Jesus, knowing what the disciples would think of her. Because this was a mentality of all Jews. They didn't want to be around anyone who is not Christian, holy. And if you're someone who you've been around Christians who may have made you feel like you weren't welcomed, you weren't worthy, you're unclean, let me encourage you that all have sinned and fall short of the glory. No one is perfect, no one is blameless but Jesus. But this woman understood the power of her proximity to Jesus and Yes, she approached him physically, but that's not what impressed God. What impressed God was her mindset. What impressed God was her perseverance. What impressed God was her heart, her humbleness, her meekness. So tonight you have that same opportunity to really meet God where he's at. You may have prayed prayers, Past few days, past few weeks, all year, and you haven't quite heard from him. May the silence of God encourage you.